0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to the
1: Art of Impeccable Soul Care, bridging ancient wisdom and modern teachings to raise your vibration and elevate your life. I'm your host, Terry Williams. Let's rise to new heights together on MindBodySpirit.fm. Wherever you are in the world today, I welcome you to another 30 minutes or so of the art of impeccable soul care here at mind body spirit FM. If you've been listening to me, or even if you haven't, one thing I'd like to say is that I love talking with dead people. I love talking with the spirit realm. I've been practicing shamanic work for a really long time. And last year I was introduced via social media one of the beautiful things of social media, to Perdita Finn and took her class, Take Back the Magic, and oh my God, I found a completely new way and maybe a remembering of talking with the dead, and I am so thankful that Perdita is here to talk about all of this today and to help us all have a greater understanding of Reconnecting with our dead. So welcome, Perdita. Thank you so much for being here with me.
0: Oh, Terry, thank you so much for having me on. There's no conversation I enjoy more than the conversation with the unseen world. <laughs> and that I have come it. to know
1: of you is that that is really the essence of who you are, and sharing the magic of how we can reconnect with the
0: dead, all of the dead. Yes, everybody everybody has the ability, the innate intuitive ability to be in conversation with those on the other side. Um, There are a lot of reasons why we're frightened of that experience, have been conditioned to be frightened of that experience and have been conditioned to kind of gate ourselves off from really what used to be in the ancient world, our resource for wisdom. And it's sort of heartbreaking that what we most need is what we most don't have in the modern world. And I am really committed to helping people reactivate that portal. And that's not just people who experience themselves as psychics or medium. I'm talking about everyday, ordinary anybody can do this. Yeah. One of
1: the things that I really appreciated about your work is... The idea of collaborating. And I'm the youngest of six. My family thinks I'm totally off my rocker. Um <laughs> Yeah. And I and that's okay. I like the rocking chair I'm in. I'll take it anytime. But I remembered when my dad died, you know, 20 some years ago. The instant that he died, I knew he died. And we had a business that he was actively involved with. And I remember saying, Okay, well, you need to help me out here because we can't do this without your guidance. And immediately there was what I call a validation that he was present. And from that point forward, I communicated in my own way with him. So I love that you talk about collaborating with them and that we can bring that into our lives here in this reality.
0: Yeah, I think for our... Ancient ancestors, those collaborations were a daily experience. Mm -hmm. They were collaborating with their ancestors who they experienced literally as the ground beneath their feet with finding food, finding shelter, finding warmth, finding healing, finding love. And the question, you know, one of the things I've been fascinated by is why does it behoove an empire and patriarchy to shut down those conversations and to create mediators between? the other world and this world? And why have those conversations been, there's been a kind of millennial long propaganda campaign to make the other side frightening, Mm -hmm. haunts, zombies, monsters, vampires, you know, the dead are going to come and get you. I need ritual protection to be protected from the unseen world. I don't fear anything on the other side. I do fear the living. Yeah, And I think that the living and power have frequently wanted to disconnect us from these collaborations because it makes us dependent upon the living. Mm -hmm. And it's a way of having power over rather than power with other people. And so it's a very empowering experience to be in relationship to the dead. And in part, anyone can do it. I mean, I resurrected this. Practice this relationship entirely for myself. I couldn't explain it. I just started doing it. The dead were my guides. And they took care of me and protected me and held me and showed me how available they were to me and brought me wonders and magic and guided me through experiences that felt impossible and intractable. Minefields, I was sure were going to destroy me. They took me by the hand and showed me where to put my feet. So
1: share a story with us. Share a story of, <laughs> <laughs> I know you have
0: a million. Oh, so pretty. <laughs> I know, you have a million stories. Wait, I'll tell you a fun one. Okay. I'll tell you a fun one. And one of the things about the dead is I often talk about the dead and not the ancestors. There's a lot of talk about ancestral yes. healing right now. And one of the things I feel is that the ancestors don't need healing, we do. Mm. And to die is to be healed. To die is to see life from the other side and to get the big picture of the soul's long story through deep time. And that is a profoundly healing reunion. We have a hard time seeing the big picture and the long story. And we need the dead's help to see that big picture and long story so we can do healing. And the dead want us to heal. So here's a story. I call on the dead for help with everything. And I was taking my daughter to a doctor in the city, to see a new doctor, a cardiologist. My daughter has a chronic illness that's very complicated and doesn't really respond to modern medicine in a way that's easy or straightforward. And so we've gone to lots of doctors and have lots of really traumatic experiences. In fact, more often than not, those experiences are frightening and unhelpful. And we had to go see this doctor was a cardiologist and it was during COVID, and I wasn't going to be allowed to go into the visit with her. And I'm usually there as her advocate. So I felt frightened in the car ride to New York City. So I start calling on the dead. My father was a doctor. I call on my father. I call on my father's partner. I call on my father's favorite nurse. I call on my father's secretary, who was good at making you know schedules happen on time. I'm calling on all the doctors I remember he knew he was friends with. And out of the blue, Terry, I remembered, popped into my head, coincidentally, but you coincidentally, I know, know coincidentally. Yeah. I remembered a man in the tiny little town where I grew up and he was not a doctor. He made ice cream. His name was Vigo Peterson. And he had a little family ice cream parlor. His father had started the ice cream parlor in our little town and he had taken it over and he was the grumpiest most irritable, unpleasant man you've ever met in the whole world. He hated making ice cream, but he made the best ice cream in the whole world. And he would make it early in the morning. And then he would put a sign up front saying what flavors were available that day. And everybody would go like, oh, he made strawberry ice last night. Run, let's go get some strawberry ice. And he had a group of women who worked for him, who he tortured he made them wear hair nuts and gloves and he was yelled at them all day and they were miserable working for him and he was sort of a captain Bligh of his little ship and the one person he loved in town was my father mm. and we discovered that Vico had wanted to be a doctor mm. and his father wouldn't let him be a doctor because of the his ice father pain. said you have to take over the business it was yeah. this immigrant story you know this is the family tradition. So, Vigo ran his ice cream parlor like a surge operating theater. And my father started inviting him to come and watch him do surgery at the hospital. He thought he would enjoy it. And then, of course, he was always sweet to my father. So, suddenly, Vigo pops into my head. And I think, Vigo, you get to be a doctor on the other side. Oh, I need beautiful. you. You're my doctor today. I want you to bring sweetness magical. You made magical ice cream, even so. Make magic happen today. I want a doctor who's sweet and loving and kind and non-traumatic. Which I'm sure you didn't have very
1: often. Oh, we never
0: had. That's what I said. It was terrifying, frightening doctors who would only look at their computer screens and list terrifying eventualities to my daughter of what was going to happen to her body and scare her or do things that were unpleasant I, 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 she's writing her own book about her horrors in the medical system I drop her off I'm waiting outside on the street in New York City she comes out an hour later and says I love this doctor mom she said I'm amazing she said she's never seen anyone manage this condition better than me she said I'm doing everything right Wow. And this one doctor, totally empowering, beautiful, sweet experience.
1: Empowering her.
0: So I said, thank you, Vigo. Thank you. But that's not the end of the story. (laughs) So I came home and I was teaching one of my workshops. I teach people how to collaborate with the dad and a lot I've learned about it. And, you know, a lot of different workshops on how to do it. And I am sit down with a group of people. And I tell this story and there's a woman in my class from Canada. And she says, not Vico Peterson. <laughs> and I said, that was his name. Yeah, Vico Peterson, not in Marion, Massachusetts. This was a town of a thousand people. She, I said, yes, Marion, Massachusetts. That was the town. She said, my sister worked for him once. Oh when. my God. <laughs> of her life she would write us home letters about how awful he was to her every she had gotten a job as a summer ice cream girl oh my goodness and and had had this torturous experience right and she said do you mind if i tell my sister the story she's suffering from stage four cancer and i said yeah vico's got amends to make to her yeah, total redemption. So she tells her sister. Her sister calls on Vico, and her cancer is now in full remission. Oh my
1: goodness. Wow. That's beautiful. That gave me chills from head to toe. That 100% speaks to the power
0: of collaboration. What I say is the dead are weaving us together. Yeah. They're like the mycelial network underground Mm -hmm. connecting each. And I talk about the dead because I don't know what my relationship is to Vigo. My relationship to this woman, to her sister, we all became woven together with love. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: And a sense of, I mean, not just that sense of connection, but of... Cleansing, for lack of a better word, right? To clear oh. the energy of what you were all experiencing prior to that.
0: And here was someone who had just wanted to be a doctor. Right. He, he, you know, he just, he wanted to be a healer. Yeah. And, and he felt, you know, this is what happens to a lot of us. We find ourselves not able to seek our heart's desire and... yeah. I have, you know, I um, I am six months sober from sugar, and I got sober from sugar thanks to a woman who was the worst alcoholic I've ever known, who died of drink. And I said to her, "You couldn't do this, so you're going to help me do it." Mm-hmm. I pray to her every day. Mm-hmm. She's my sobriety buddy. That's awesome. You don't even have to
1: go to Sugar Anonymous. Well, yeah, I can do
0: too. <laughs> anonymous I don't know. There is sugar anonymous. I don't go actually to, I don't go to sugar anonymous, but there is a sugar anonymous. I didn't do it I do but you know collaborations of the living and the dead, the yeah. dead. and also that there are lives that looked abject and like failures. like Vigo was not somebody who looked like he had a happy life. Yeah. And yet he was a soul capable. Of extraordinary intimacy and healing. Mm. So, do you think that
1: when we cross over, when we die and come to the other side, that you are hmm, that you are, are automatically of a different light and healthy? You know, I've adapted various thoughts over the years. I, my belief was always that. When we got to the other side, everything was awesome and beautiful. And then I started to study different things. And people would say, well, only the healthy, well, and wise ones. And when I was taking your class, some things came up. And I'm like, yes, they are healthy, well, and wise.
0: That's why they just need an invitation. So is that your belief? My experience is of the vast mysteries of the long story of our souls. Mm -hmm. And that I sometimes think of embroidery, Terry. You know, I, I did a lot of embroidery as a child. I loved embroidery as a child. It was something I, and one of the things I loved was to see how on one side you'd see this beautiful picture, but I loved turning it over to the back where you'd see just a mess of string, knots, frayed threads, things broken, I think that our souls are like threads Mm -hmm. and that in this life, we mostly see it from the wrong side. We just see, it looks like a mess of knots and broken threads. And sometimes you get a little bit of, you know, some people look like they can take a rose, but turn it over. And what happens when we die is we go to the other side. Mm -hmm. Oh, now I see the big picture. Yeah. And to see the big picture is to see the entangled experiences of love. So Vigo on the other side sees that this young teenage girl that, whose life he made a living hell one summer in 1972. <laughs> it's just like awful. Oh, my God. You know, this, this was a soul I love. Why did I do this? I want to help her now. Yeah. And now he's ready and eager to show up and help her. And I think, you know, I have written a book about how I healed with my impossible father after he died. Mm-hmm. And that I do believe that it was not that my father needed healing, he was healed, but our relationship needed healing. Yeah. And no relationship is ever over. Mm. There's all the time in the world for love. Yeah. There's all the time in the world for mercy. I try to live inside the mystery. I look at my this woman I pray to. Um, her name was Rita. And she was the worst alcoholic I've ever known. A beautiful, funny, talented woman who just drank herself to death. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I don't understand her objection or her misery. But I know from the other side, she is an incredibly powerful healing soul. And sometimes I think there are souls that agree to go to the depths so that they can bring forth new powers to offer to those they love. We don't know what we're looking at.
1: We really don't. We don't know what we're looking at. And we don't know. I love the idea of the embroidery and the stitching. We're going to take a break for just a second. And listeners, we're going to come back and get some more juicy guidance from the other side through Perdita. So, welcome back to the Art of Impeccable Soul Care. Today, my conversation is with. Perdita Finn, and we are talking about Perdita's favorite topic and has what has become mine, the dead, communicating with the dead. So when I went through your workshop this um, last November, one of the things that you talked about that really resonated with me was that they want to be included. You talk about how the humans here are the ones to fear. And that on the other side, it's beauty, love, joy. They're amazing, which is how I feel. That inclusivity really hit my heart because I feel like we struggle with that as humans. And why would they not want to be included on the other side? And when they get in
0: that invitation,
1: the power is incredible.
0: I think You know, one of the things is people sometimes ask me about, well, what about frightening experiences of the dead? Yeah. And I do experience the dead as clamoring for our attention. Mm -hmm. We have in the modern world silenced them and silenced their guidance and silenced their wisdom. And that silencing has been the work of the living to maintain power. And you know, during the European Gynocide, the 200-year period, where so many thousands and tens of thousands of women were killed across Europe, the thing women were most often accused of was being in conversation with the dead. And this was the ubiquitous experience of people throughout most of human history. You talk to the dead. It's It's you call on your mom, everyone, you know, you lose your mother, you talk to her after she dies and they experience the dead is talking back. Mm-hmm. And Max Dashu, the feminist scholar has documented that in the early days of Christianity, the priests and the cardinals were writing each other saying, how do we get the women to stop listening to the dead and listen to us? And that it's important to just say that. So I've experienced the dead showing up in my bedroom. I'm not psychic. I'm not a medium, but I have experienced them showing up less so now that I'm in collaboration with them, Mm -hmm. but they wanted my attention, right? They were trying so hard to get my attention. Look, we're here. We're real. Mm -hmm. And once you start to collect, if you have an frightening experience with the dead, what I always say is give them a job to do. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that job, a project, we're going to collaborate on something. And once you start collaborating with them, they don't have to be so intrusive. Mm -hmm. They've got your attention.
1: And what do you say to someone who feared a human in life and how they can... Approach that person after, you know, like if they're fearful in connecting with that person because Mm -hmm. of the energy they experienced in human life. What do you say to them?
0: I always say with this work, you never get in trouble going too slowly, Mm. and go slowly. There are people we have very difficult relationships with, and we can access healing in those relationships. But we don't have to go at a pace that frightens us. And in fact, one of the things that's really, really important is to allow ourselves, and and I talk about this in my book about my father and how I healed with him, to allow ourselves to be as angry as we really are. We don't have to talk ourselves into forgiveness. Mm -hmm. It's the work of the dead to show us that they have atoned. Yeah for the crimes that they have done against us. Mm. And that's really different. I worked with a woman who, whose father had committed suicide when she was a very little girl. And she experienced him after he died showing up in her bedroom, which was terrifying yeah, and haunting. And he was a figure of terrible fear and betrayal and, And to have your parents suicide like that is to say that your love isn't worth it, right? Your love can't keep me in this life. And felt the the anger and the pain in her life. Well, when she was 70 and started to take my workshops and she began to work with him, she realized he'd been showing up her whole life to say he was sorry. Mm. And that he wanted to take care of her from the other side. And the moment she gave him a job to do Boom. He took care of it. Right. (laughs) And again, and again, and again, and again, you know what I mean? And, and so she, her anger had vanished, Mm -hmm. but it didn't vanish because she talked herself into it. It vanished because her father showed her that he understood how much pain he had caused her.
1: Validating her and also allowing you know, the two of them to allow the experience to unfold in a way that uh, helped to heal
0: that. But I'll use another example closer to home. I have a friend whose father died this summer with whom he had a very, very difficult, fraught relationship. And in many ways, it was only after the death of his father that he could really metabolize how angry at him he'd been. Mm -hmm. his whole life. And he gave his father a job and he realized he wanted his father to fail at it so he could still be angry at him. And he didn't, did he? Well, he he wouldn't let his father in. Mm -hmm. And I said, then just drop it. Yeah. You don't have to be in a hurry to do this work. Mm -hmm. Your father doesn't need you to do this work. When you're ready to do this work, you do it. But if you just need to be angry at him for the next five years, you would be angry at him for the next five years.
1: Yeah, that's a whole other conversation, isn't it? Where we don't allow ourselves to feel what we're feeling. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The dead can handle your emotions. Mm-hmm. The dead are fine. They're fine. <laughs> well, you know, my mom, she died in uh, September of 2020. And it was a whole long COVID everything kind of story, family thing. And I was one of her main caregivers and decision makers, and she wasn't in her right mind always here. And one day I was having a conversation with her, and in my head, she told me she was right, like your your embroidery, which I Absolutely loved, it 100% resonated with me when I heard it before. You know, sh- she basically said to me, I see the picture now. I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now. And that same day, I interviewed somebody and I had told her, I don't want it to be about me. This is about you. If my mom comes up, we're not going to talk about my mom because this is about you. And she goes, Okay, I just want to tell you one thing. Your mom wants me to tell you that you were right. And it was about that big picture, you know, so to have somebody validate what I was seeing and then to have you explain it in that way of the threads and the knots and that they go to the other side. Oh, that was just so beautiful for me. And I thank you for that.
0: What was your mother's name, Terry? Her name was Janet. Janet.
1: Janet, yeah. And I have other stories that I'll share another day, but this is about you. And I wanted to validate that for you. And thank you so much
0: for it. I feel like I have a team of collaborators. I never feel isolated. And it's its really the medicine we need in a culture where we feel so isolated and alone and our independence has brought us to a pace that we're burdened and we feel like everything is impossible and hard I call on the dead for everything from parking spaces to my taxes, to my kids, to my health. I mean, I've got a doctor's appointment today. I got a team on that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, I don't leave. I, I get the dead involved in every aspect of my life. But the biggest wisdom they bring me, Terry, is they start to show me that picture from the other side. And when we can live within this life, going back and forth across the veil, our hearts break open. And we realize that there is not one life to get it right. Life is not a short story with a merciless ending. Life is a long story going back and forth where we're constantly experiencing Second and third, and 10,000 chances, and that love is always circling and spiraling back to those people we love. There is no one you have lost that mm. cannot be returned to you. And, and ultimately, where you find yourself with is oh, we've all been each other's mothers. Mm. We've all been the heroes in some people's stories and the villains in other people's stories. We've all been Vigo Peterson being mean to that teenage girl one summer and we're going to hope she calls on us and asks us to heal her. But we've all been here before and we'll all be here again and we are woven together that the fabric of existence is our soul and that we would treat each other and all beings on this earth, because it really dissolves anthropocentrism. Yeah. What happens when we know that every soul is wound together with ours? And I I don't just experience human souls this way. I experience tree souls and mm-hmm. animal souls and plant souls and stone and mountain and river souls mm-hmm. as woven together with ours.
1: It's a beautiful practice and a beautiful invitation to live your life, not just collaborating as you said, with the humans, but to bring in a new sense of, of joy into your life right now. And unfortunately, we're down to the wire here. Oh. The conversations <laughs> go by so quickly, right? It was a beautiful way to complete this conversation. And listeners, I want to remind you that this conversation has been with Perdita Finn. And you can find all of Perdita, Perdita's information here on the Art of Impeccable Soul Care page, but also at thewayoftherose.org, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed.
1: And um, her classes are listed there. I'm going to jump in again myself and (laughs) join you in February. So I'm really excited about that. And I so appreciate the wisdom that you have shared and the, the invitation to listen and invite that wisdom. Oh my gosh. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Terry. And I just want to say to everybody, you can begin wherever you are. You have more mothers than you can possibly imagine who love you more than you could ever possibly imagine. Hmm. Thank you
1: so much for being here with me today. And we need to do this again.
0: Thank you.
1: Yeah, please. Hey, this is your host, Terry Williams. Thanks for tuning in to the Art of Impeccable Soul Care, bridging ancient wisdom and modern teachings to raise your vibration and elevate your life. For more information or to work with me, visit soulpractices.com and subscribe to my tribe. You'll be the first to hear about upcoming guests and workshops, free resources, and so much more. Until next time, thanks again.